people, hey, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us about your family? Hello, everybody. I'm Jeff Marshall, uh, originally from Montreal. I've lived in the Brockville area for 20 years now. Um, I live with my wife, our special needs daughter, Mary, and our two sister-in-laws, uh, Yvonne and Charlene. Um, and we, we just live a very simple life here in Brockville. How long have you been at Sea Road then? Well, Sea Road's been a, an interesting thing. I started coming here in 2011 with my mother um, after my father passed and um, we came as long as mum could. And um, when she passed, I ended up traveling an awful lot. So I've just returned to Sea Road back in the, uh, when we reopened this summer. Now in this series, short stories, and I wanna ask you this question. In your opinion, what makes for a good story? Boy, well, there are a lot of elements to a good story. There's, there's a, an introduction of the characters, good character development. There's good theme, good plot. Um, a good story, in my mind, has a good conflict and resolution. And uh, most importantly, a good story has a protagonist, a strong hero. One final thing: Would you consider making a funny face for us? It's been a long time since I made a funny face, but here we go. <laughs> Brilliant, that's awesome. Thanks okay. a million. Welcome everyone, thanks for tuning in, and thanks so much for that wonderful intro there, Jeff, and a great silly face. In fact, we're going to all join you in making silly faces just right off the bat to have a little bit of fun here today. So on the count of three, you're going to pull your greatest funny face, even if you're by yourself. Maybe go to a mirror so that you can make yourself chuckle, but if you're watching with people, turn to somebody and do your greatest silly face. Ready? One, two, three. Did you do it? Hope you did. I hope you had a little good chuckle. I want to show you something. We're in week four of our series entitled Short Stories, and I want to show you something that is sort of related to this series. It is my championship ring. Now, this isn't from the NHL championship. This isn't from uh, baseball or football in the NFL or the CFL or any sort of soccer league. This is actually from my high school basketball team. My high school basketball team, the year that we got these rings, went undefeated in play. Tournament, regular season, playoffs, you name it, undefeated. And so we thought it would be great to get something to commemorate that moment. We got these rings. They weren't given to us. We actually had to pay for them. Now, the cool thing about this ring is I keep it in a special place in my house. It's got a fun little case to it. It's got something uh, cool and significant. My kids know where it is. And I hope that one day my kids, my grandkids, my great grandkids, somebody's going to be able to sell it, pawn it off, make a few bucks and share the story of this one time somebody in our family was on a team that was undefeated. It was amazing. Now, that story... And this ring is important to me, but it's not my most precious things. I was thinking about my most precious things or what things are most precious to me and the ways that I go about trying to protect them. And maybe you can identify with this. Uh, I plan to use my, my money in the future. And so I've got a bank account and I've got a, an investment strategy and I'm planning to, to have some money for retirement one day to take care of me until I'm no longer on the planet. I, I do that thing to invest in my future. I want to protect my future. It's precious to me. I've got um, a security system on my vehicle. 
Do you have a security system on your vehicle? And it's meant to protect my vehicle from somebody else taking it. I've had uh, security systems on my house. We've got locks on our houses to protect things like the people inside of them. We've got maybe a fire escape plan or all these sorts of things that you and I do to protect the things that are precious to us. But what does the Bible say about things that are precious to us? That's what we're gonna look at today as we're in this week four of our series entitled Short Stories. If you've got a Bible with you, I want to encourage you to turn with me to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 13. We're going to look at verses 44 through 46 together. And they say this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Two incredibly short stories that Jesus told that speak to this idea of what do we do when we encounter something that is extremely precious. He talks about the kingdom of heaven. So what is the kingdom of heaven? Let's start there. It's a two-part answer. First part is there's the kingdom of heaven right now. The second part is there's the kingdom of heaven not yet. And to believe it or not, it's easier to answer part two than it is to answer part one. So let's start with part two. What does it mean that the kingdom of heaven is not yet? The kingdom of heaven not yet refers to eternal life. You and I get to the opportunity when we've got a relationship with Jesus to experience life to the full in eternity with Jesus. Unbroken, unbridled, unhindered relationship. It's going to be amazing. The way the world was originally designed to be. That's what you and I get to live into. That's the not yet portion of the kingdom of heaven. But there's also a now portion of the kingdom of heaven. And this is where we can kind of get confused because what does it mean for right now in this moment, in this season, in this year? God wants us to live the best version of life available to humankind right now. It means a culture. It means a set of values. It does mean morals and ethics and all those certain things. It means the way that you and I choose to live actually matters to God. It matters. The kingdom of heaven right now is a gift that you and I have been given to enjoy to the full, to the abundant. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy all the time. It doesn't mean we're going to get everything that we want all the time. But it means that it is, it is there, it is rich, it is full, it is waiting for us to uncover. It's the greatest adventure available to humankind. That's the kingdom of heaven. So let's go into our two stories that Jesus told here about the kingdom of heaven. The first is you've got this worker, he's in a field. And he discovers a treasure. He doesn't own the, the field. And so what he does is he, he takes the treasure, he hides it again in the field, sells everything that he owns, and then he makes sure that he can buy the field because that field has the treasure in it. He gives up everything for what is most precious to him, and that is the treasure. Here's one of the greatest things that we can learn from that short story. Even in the ordinary there's room for the extraordinary to grow. Even in the ordinary, there's room for the extraordinary to grow. You and I, maybe we don't like our routine for whatever reason. Get up, same thing every day, 
compliant thing. We got to go to work. We got to stay home during the stay at home orders. We have to do this, that, and the other. We got to make sure that we get the laundry done, house cleaning, and everything can kind of seem like mundane or kind of boring over time. But even in the ordinary, there's room for the extraordinary to grow. Here's what we know about this worker in the field. We know that this worker did not own the field that he was in because he purchased it later. So the field wasn't his. Chances are he was actually hired to work this field, to till the soil, to make sure that it was ready to, to plant a harvest or something like that. Back in the day, Growing up in a farming community, one of the things that we did to get the fields ready to be planted is, is you would cultivate them and you'd have a piece of machinery called a cultivator. But there was also a lot of rocks in the soil. So you had to do rock picking. You'd have to pick up these rocks and make sure that they weren't gonna damage the blades of the cultivator and, and set back the planting season. So maybe this worker's in the field preparing the field, getting ready for plant, and he discovers this treasure. He discovers this treasure out of an ordinary activity. Maybe it was his daily thing that he was a worker in a field and he worked fields that he didn't own. And he discovers this treasure. See, sometimes you and I, even when we're not looking for it, amazing things happen in us, around us, and even sometimes through us. Out of the ordinary, there's room for the extraordinary to grow. Life isn't always boring. Life isn't always easy. Life isn't always amazing. It's a combination of all of those things. But even in those ordinary moments or what we think are seemingly ordinary moments, they are pregnant opportunities for amazing things to happen in us, through us, and even around us. So take heart. If you find yourself in the ordinary routine of things, there's still room for the extraordinary to happen. Well, let's look at that second story. The second story, you've got this merchant. So somebody whose job is to look for precious things. He's looking for pearls of great value and he finally discovers one. And so what he does is very similar to our first story. He gives up everything in order to purchase that pearl. Now, the difference between the second story and the first story isn't just the area that they're talking about from being in a field to being in a, a marketplace or a merchant of some kind. It isn't vocationally different. It's also kind of this perspective. So you've got this one gentleman that is this one worker that is kind of out of the ordinary. He's doing his routine, going about his business and boom, he encounters something extraordinary. On the other hand, you have this this individual, this merchant, whose job is to look for the extraordinary, to look for the things that are precious. He's, he's supposed to find that precious pearl. And when he does, he does exactly what the person in our first story does. Sells everything that he owns in order to buy that pearl. Because it matters. It matters what we invest in. Isn't it amazing to think that the things that are precious to us even matter to God? Isn't it amazing to think that we can encounter precious things through our ordinary routines and even when we're intentionally looking for something? Now, we don't know how long that this 
a merchant was looking for a pearl, but we know that he finally discovered what he was looking for. And maybe you can resonate with that. Maybe you have lived your life in such a way that you've been looking for longing, significance, purpose. And when you finally found your hope in Jesus, you were like, this is what I was made for. Maybe it's a job-related thing where you're like, you finally got your dream job and you're like, yes, this is what I was wired to do for the rest of my life. I don't know what it is, but maybe you can resonate with a moment like that. Now, here's the thing. You and I, we both have things that are precious to us. If I would let you look at my calendar and look at my bank account, you would discover very quickly that what I spend my time on and what I spend my money on are important to me. It's not what I say is important to me. It's what I actually invest in. That's what's most precious to me. Think about it for a moment. The way that you choose to spend your time, you choose to spend your money. What does it say about what you value? Maybe you're a stay-at-home parent right now, and you find yourself doing all of the ordinary things providing for your family, making sure that there's food on the table, the house is clean, the laundry's done, and you're going like, I don't know if my family even sees the significance of all these things that I'm doing for them. Maybe they don't see it right now, but they will one day. And you are stewarding the opportunity that you've been given super extremely well by providing for what is most precious to you your family. Maybe you are caring for an elderly parent in some way. You're spending time with them. You're making sure that they have what they need to stay connected in a fragmented season like we live in right now. You're teaching them how to use technology so that they can video call friends and family and neighbors so they don't feel so isolated and alone. I don't know what it is, but you are taking your time, your talent, your treasure, and you're investing in people. You're investing in something that's precious to you. The challenge is when you and I look at our calendars and, and the things that are on the calendar that we're investing all our time and our, and our equity in are things that actually we don't want to value above other things. Like maybe it's a, a dream vacation. Maybe we can't even go on vacation right now, really. But maybe it's a dream vacation and that idea that, man, if I could just go there, go, go here, go wherever, that would be the pinnacle expression of awesome right now. That is what's most precious, this, this idea of adventure. Maybe it's sports. Maybe you're like, man, hockey's back on and I can't believe I get to watch it on TV four nights a week. And instead of spending time with your, your wife, your family, your kids, spending time maybe studying, spending time with Jesus in prayer, reading scripture, spending time maybe exercising. You know, you're not doing that. You're instead valuing hockey over all of those things. Now, hockey's a wonderful thing. It's one of my favorite sports to play and to watch. Don't get me wrong. Don't misunderstand me. But is it most precious to me? Or is it the people that I share my life with? Is it my relationship? with Jesus. If you look at your calendar, if you look at my calendar, if you look at my finances, if you look at your finances, we can understand and decipher what is most precious to us. Because what we spend our time on and our money on becomes most precious. And we see that in these two stories. You've got these two individuals who give up everything 
They're investing their time already, but then they invest all of their equity in order to obtain what is most precious, this treasure, this pearl, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven now and not yet. Do you and I invest in the kingdom of heaven now and not yet in that way? If we would take an honest inventory of what we are giving our lives to, can we see what Jesus would give his life to? For those of us who follow Jesus, that's the point of our lives is to become like Jesus. So if my life is not reflecting Jesus in some way, then whatever I've decided is most precious to me in that moment actually isn't anything of the kingdom of heaven that Jesus invites me into. It's actually an idol. It's something contrary to the kingdom of heaven. Something that I idolize over and above what Jesus wants to do in me, through me, and around me. And at times, sometimes it's the accolades that I might get for what I'm trying to do for Jesus. Maybe, the, maybe you can resonate with that and be like, oh man, it, whenever I serve and I get a pat on the back, that's amazing. Are you idolizing the pat on the back or are you actually investing in what's most precious? And that is the kingdom of heaven. The now and the not yet. It was a sobering reality when I started to think about that for myself this week. How am I investing in the kingdom of heaven? Am I responding like these two individuals in the story? Am I willing to give up everything, everything I know, everything that I own for what is most precious? Am I willing to be sold out in my life following Jesus? You and I, we all have to answer that question on a daily individual basis. Is what I'm choosing to give my life to reflective of the desire of what is actually most precious? Or does it show something else? Now here's the challenge that you and I get to step into as we read these two short stories and deal with the whole reality of what it means to apply them to our lives. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to actually do an inventory of your calendar and your finances. Sit down, do the work, inventory of your calendar and your finances. And I want you to use three simple questions that are kingdom oriented, that'll help you decipher whether or not what you're investing your time in, your giftedness, your talents, and your treasure in are actually worthwhile. First question is this, is this wise? Is this wise? There's a verse later on in scripture that says this, Everything is permissible, but not every, everything is beneficial. And what it means is that you and I, we are permitted to do whatever we would like to do. We have freedom of choice, but not all of our choices are actually beneficial. They've come with consequences of all sorts of things. Let me tell you a funny illustration to kind of drive this home. Let's say that myself and Pastor Roger and Pastor Justin end up in some sort of conflict and we don't agree with one another, and, and things are getting a little bit heated, and, and these two gentlemen, they're amazing, and so they're getting really frustrated, and as their anger takes control, they think that, man, this is the best idea that we have right now in the moment is to take a swing at Jason. We're gonna punch him in the face. Now, the, the challenge is, is they're permitted to do that. That's something that they can choose to do. Nobody's gonna stop them from making that decision. 
But there's not everything that they decide to do is going to be beneficial. Though There might be consequences to that decision. See, they might get a little bit of thunder and lightning, <laughs> if you know what I mean, if that were to happen. Now you might be thinking to yourself, that's a ridiculous example of this permissible and beneficial thing, but it is significant because you and I, we have the opportunity to engage similarly in whatever decisions that we make. We can make a decision to misuse alcohol. We can make a decision to uh, misuse our sexuality. We can make a decision to do a whole bunch of different things. Everything's permissible, but not everything is beneficial. You see what I'm saying? So using that question of, is this wise, will help you decipher if the things that you're investing your money in and the things that you're investing your time or your talents in, if they're actually wise to do. What's the benefit as you invest in those things, those realities? Leads us to question number two. What does it multiply? What does it multiply? What is it? The activity, the thing that you're investing in with your time and your treasure, what does it multiply? Usually when you're investing in people, it multiplies good things in people. So let me give you an example. I've been working on trying to create a backyard rink in my backyard. It is not going well. It probably won't come to fruition in the way that I hoped and intended. But all the effort and the energy that I'm pouring into that project, I'm demonstrating to my kids that I value them and I wanna create adventure right where we are in the backyard. So even if the project fails, it's signaling to them that they have value and worth and meaning. It's multiplying hope inside of them. It's multiplying determination. It's multiplying curiosity, all these wonderful things. The things that you and I are multiplying in, we're investing in, does it multiply? What does it multiply? You know, certain things that we have to do financially, like we, we've got to provide food for our family. So we've got to invest in that. I understand that. But what are the other things that you're investing in? And what does it multiply? Does it multiply, hey, if you've got like six different streaming accounts and all you're doing is binge watching show after show after show, what is that multiplying in your life? It's multiplying being maybe lethargic and lazy, being just a consumer of stuff instead of a participant in something. like. Think detail-oriented. What is it multiplying in your life? What is it multiplying in my life? And does it actually make a difference? Here's the third question. Is it rooted in love? Is it rooted in love? See, at the end of the day, if we want to boil down what the kingdom of heaven is all about, it is about this, loving God and loving other people, both now and in the not yet phase, loving God and loving people. So everything that we do in our lives as followers of Jesus, if we happen to call ourselves that, needs to be rooted in love. If it's not rooted in love, it is not worth it. If it's not rooted in love, it is not worth it. Now remember, out of the ordinary, the extraordinary can come forth. So even in our routine, if it's like, man, but this is boring. But if that boring activity is rooted in love, the extraordinary can happen. That one day, that one moment when your kids are growing up and they start actually helping you around the house, that is a miracle and that is an amazing thing. It's where hope comes to life over time. 
that time when you see a friend of yours that is going through a conflict and, and you've just invested in them relationally, time after time after time, coffee after coffee after coffee, special gift cards, all those things, and you see them handling that conflict exceptionally well. It's worth it over time. Those are the three questions that are super helpful when you think about what is most precious to you. What is most precious to me? Is this wise? What does it multiply? Is it rooted in love? This week I want to challenge you and I want to challenge myself to take that inventory, to go through everything, and to make sure that we are living lives similar to these two characters in these stories where they're willing to give up everything for what is truly most precious, what God designs for us to experience in life, the kingdom of heaven both now and not yet. And that starts for you if you don't have a, follow, have a relationship with Jesus by choosing to follow Jesus, perhaps for the very first time. And it's quite simple. In a few moments, I'm going to go to a time of prayer and I'm going to pray for you. You can pray along with me. If you've been following Jesus a long time, you can still pray along with me because maybe you have an opportunity to course correct your trajectory of your life by choosing to invest more intentionally in things that God truly cares about, which are people. People. God loves people. And how are you investing in them the people that he's placed in your life. So why don't we go to a time of prayer and would you join me in this experience together? Father, we are thankful for the opportunity that we have to experience the kingdom of heaven now and not yet if we choose to follow you as Lord and King of our lives. And I realize and I recognize that there may be some people that are, are connected with us that have yet to make that decision. So God, I ask, I ask that you give them the courage to pray along with me right now. Dear Jesus, today I choose you. Help me to experience the kingdom of heaven now and not yet. I want to follow you. And for those of us, Father, who have been following you for a very long time, sometimes we need to be reminded that even in the ordinary things of life, the extraordinary can come to life. Maybe we're in that place right now where we need just a kindling of hope, of joy, of excitement in some way, shape, or form. And so I pray that you would birth that in us that you would grow it and allow it to come to fruition. God, those big questions that are, are maybe haunting us, like what are we going to do now dealing with a, a reality around a work-related situation or a reality about a re broken relationship of some kind? I pray that even in those dark moments, hope and light and life would burst forth and you would invite us into the best possible scenario that we could experience even in those tragic moments. God, we want to over this next week take time to make sure that what we're choosing to invest in with our lives, with our time, our talent, our treasure, our gifts, all those things actually is reflective of what is most precious to us. And so the gift that we've been given in this COVID season where we have an ample amount of time to think, to process, to maybe prioritize or reprioritize, would you meet us in the middle of that and help us do exactly those things? Think through what we invest in, reprioritize where we need to, whether it's our, our physical well-being by doing more exercise or eating better or getting better sleep, or if it's our spiritual well-being by actually caring about how we're investing in our relationship with you. 
by reading the word and prayer and spiritual practices and disciplines of that nature? God, would we see it as an opportunity, a springboard to get us ready for what is coming? And in a positive manner, would we trust you in all things? Father, would you bless us and protect us? Would you be gracious to us and smile upon us? Would you give us your favor and your peace? We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.